For what do you thirst? Looking to the past can help us most times. Hindsight is 2020. Albert Einstein said, learn from yesterday, live for today, hope for tomorrow. James Lowen said, those who don't remember the past are condemned to repeat the 11th grade. So pay attention, high schoolers. Harvey McKay, learn from the past, but don't live there. Build on what you know so that you don't repeat mistakes. Rick Warren, we are products of our past, but we don't need to be prisoners of it. And then Seneca the Younger, uh, early philosopher, don't stumble over something behind you. I don't think the Israelites knew any of those. Um, and I know they didn't because all these people came after them. But they looked to the past. They dwelled in it. They continued to stumble over it. They were prisoners of the past. They had just been set free. We enter our first reading. They had just been set free from the Egyptians, their slavery. But now they thirst. And so they look to the past and ask, why did you ever make us leave Egypt? In their desire to quench their thirst for water, they want to go back to the place where they were enslaved. They were treated as slaves. They were treated cruelly and punished. They overlooked that cruelty and that enslavement in order to have that temporary thirst quenched. So too it is with us. A temporary difficulty or challenge in life can cause us to look back on what we think as a better time. It even happens to me. Sometimes when I have one of those days that seem never-ending, a restless night, an early rise, get an emergency call first thing in the morning, unexpected appointments arise, other appointments go beyond their time, then you have meetings in the evening, there's interruptions. The thought is that day is never going to end. And it's in those times where I even look back to the times before I even entered seminary when I was working. Gosh, wouldn't it be nice if I just had my old job when I worked eight hours? That was it. Every once in a while there would be a 12-hour shift. My evenings would be free. I could do what I want. I could go play softball go play basketball, maybe even go bowling. I could golf. My weekends would be free. I could go camping, fishing, hunting, or just stay home with nothing to do. I rationalize thinking, even working the graveyard shift, 11 p.m. to 7 a.m., that wasn't too bad. 12-hour shift, every now and again, oh, that wasn't too bad. I'm sure I'd be able to sleep better during the day now than what I could back then. And I don't even think about any of the other organizations that I would be involved in would require my time and talent. And so I don't think it would be probably, probably won't be difficult for each one of us to remember a time or challenge in our life that we looked back and thought, 
Oh, if I was only back then, things would be better. And sometimes a desire for thirst, a temporary challenge or difficulty be taken away, or maybe it's a temptation or a thirst for immediate pleasure, whether it's food, water, sex, drugs, alcohol, porn, whatever it may be, might be clothes, might be money, those immediate pleasures, if only, if only we could go back to what it was. How often we are like the Israelites and allow that challenge or difficulty in life or a temptation draw us away from God. But what is God's response? Jesus encounters this Samaritan woman and he asks her, give me a drink. What could Jesus possibly want with her? Why wouldn't he just give it in, get it himself? Give me a drink. Or give me your bucket so I can lower it in the cistern and get myself a drink. But he asked her, a Samaritan, to give me a drink. And the Samaritan is confused because Jesus, being a Jew, didn't have anything to do with the Samaritan, yet this Jewish man is asking a Samaritan woman for a drink. They're not supposed to do that. What is this drink that Jesus is asking? Is he just asking her for a little bit of water? No. And what is it that the woman's looking for? She's ultimately looking for stability, protection, love. She desires a relationship. She's been divorced five times, and the man she's with now isn't her husband. That desire isn't being fulfilled by any man. She goes out to the well at noon because she's ashamed of her past. And so she goes out at noon in the heat of the day when nobody else is going to be out there so that she can't be ridiculed. And so her desires haven't been met, and she's shameful for her failed relationships and how she's attempted to have those desires fulfilled. But that's what she wants. She may not understand it, but that's what she wants is a relationship. So think about any relationship you currently have, whether it's a spouse, maybe it's a child, a parent, teacher, or a sibling. What does it take to have a good relationship with that person? It takes time, spending time with that person. It takes communication. You can be with that person, but if you don't communicate, it doesn't go anywhere, so have to communicate with them. A desire to learn more about them, learn about their interests, do uh, the things they enjoy doing, what they like, the hobbies. You want to care for them. You want to share their talent, your talents with them. Let them share their talents with you. If those things don't take place, 
then the relationship becomes unstable, becomes frustrating, ultimately life-taking, could be anger welling up. And so looking at this relationship, we can recognize, as a Samaritan woman did, that those men that she was with were unfulfilling. They were unstable. They didn't fulfill her. And she comes to recognize Jesus, ask her for a gift. And he goes on and saying, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew the living water, it'd be better. And so Jesus is saying ultimately to her, only through a relationship with me can you find stability. Can you find somebody who wants to protect you? Can find somebody to care for you? Find somebody who loves you unconditionally, no matter what your past. And so each one of us are invited to respond to his own invitation. Give me a drink. He doesn't want to drink a water. He wants our souls. He wants our souls to be in union with Him, to dwell with Him, who is the living water. And when we ultimately give Jesus this drink of our lives, our mind, our body, and soul, by spending time with Him in prayer, worshiping Him at Mass, sharing our talents with His church, giving us, as I said, our whole mind and body to Him, we have that relationship that is stable, that's protecting. It's going to be with us in the challenging parts of our life, the difficulties of life, even in the temptations. He offers us the grace we need to resist them. He gives us that living water, the living water which is Himself. He's always offering us that living water, no matter what our past may be, even when our past looks better than the present, even when we don't know where God is leading us. If we open ourselves to that living water, allow that, his living water, to quench our thirst, we know that he'll lead us ultimately to happiness to glory, that everything will be all right. So for what is it that you thirst? And are you willing to allow Jesus to quench that thirst? Are you willing to meet him in prayer, in conversation, willing to worship him at Mass, even amidst the scares of COVID-19. Are you willing to give Him a drink of your 